Thank you, Caleb and the band. It's just a, a real special moment. I'm so privileged to be with you in the presence of God with you. And uh, it's a very, very special day, as you might imagine, and uh, Ash Wednesday. Uh, Ash Wednesday is not something I myself grew up uh, really uh, worshiping a certain day. I was actually introduced to it uh, during high school when I attended Catholic high school down in Oxnard, Santa Clara High School. Shout out to Santa Clara High School. Uh, yeah. So... I grew up Pentecostal, Assembly of God, and, and you know, they said, okay, come on down and receive the ashes. I said, receive what? What in the world is going on here? But I, when they explained it, I thought, this is so different than anything I've ever experienced. And what was really interesting, walking around in a high school when you're a freshman and seeing you know, about 800 to 1,000 students walk around with uh, black crosses on their foreheads all day, you really saw a slight or a big change in behavior, a slight change in behavior in some. Because you just can't do what you normally do, say what you normally say with a big cross. Or you're looking at crosses everywhere. It was really interesting. And I saw people that would immediately take them off and some that went home with them on. In fact, they encourage when, when uh, you receive the ashes that you don't, take it off. You don't try to take it off. You just let it come off as whatever, however you go about your business. It's really interesting. So why Ash Wednesday? Why, why are we gathered here tonight? Uh, my guess is there's a lot of you who have no idea what Ash Wednesday is, but you're here. So I want to say thank you for coming, and I wanted to answer that really quickly before we look at God's Word, and not only look at God's Word, but really partake of it and make it part of us. If you uh, uh, grew up in uh, this area, or maybe especially um, in a different area, let's say in Louisiana or different places, you may have heard of Mardi Gras. Have you heard of Mardi Gras? Yeah? Mardi Gras is actually connected with Ash Wednesday in Lent. Some of you may know that already. Mardi Gras literally means Fat Tuesday. Mardi, uh, in, in Spanish, we say Martes. Uh, for fat, uh, gras in, in uh, French, which I do not speak French, uh, but I do speak uh, a good enough Spanish to get in trouble or get out of trouble. But uh, uh, in Spanish, fat is grasa. So uh, what this is all about was a long time ago when the church would uh, expect their, the Christians to fast during this 40 days of preparation for Easter, uh, there was, if you count back 40 days from Easter, not counting Sundays, because Sundays were these wonderful, obviously, the days that we worship. They were feast days. They were many Easter's already, so you wouldn't want to fast on a day that you're just celebrating that Jesus is alive. But if you count 40 days back from Easter, not counting the Sundays, you always arrive at a Wednesday. And so early, early on in the church, I'm, I'm talking about really early. I'm talking... We don't even have a record of exactly when it started, but we have an idea that it was started way before we have actual records of them saying how you should go about this or that. But uh, Ash Wednesday, they picked Ash Wednesday, they said Ash Wednesday because they wanted to represent, uh, they wanted people to actually get into the habit of of having a, a repentant heart before God, before Easter, that actually matched Jesus's 40 days in the wilderness as his own preparation for ministry. 
Now, going back to, to Mardi Gras, how does, that, how does that fit in? Mardi Gras actually is the day. Now, think about before refrigerators, okay? If, if the, everyone in your village or wherever you live, if especially or in a city, wherever you live, is going to be fasting and you're walking around with a croissant, you know, the next day, that doesn't look good, right? Or, you know, you have your, your, your chocolate in your pocket and you're just like chomping on your chocolate on Ashwin. That doesn't look right. So what they would do is they'd clear up all the dairy, all the buttery food, all the butter in the house, and they'd eat it all. If they didn't do so already, they would do so on that, on that Mardi Gras, on that Fat Tuesday. they make pancakes, called Pancake Tuesday. Whatever they could make, they would make. And it became this celebration before a fast. Now, if you ask people in Mardi Gras yesterday... Why are you partying? They're like, I don't know, man. Like to, and you, you talk to them, like, tomorrow's Ash Wednesday. What? Want some beads or what? What are, you, what are you doing here? People don't even have an idea why they're doing that, but that's how it started. Um, and it's this big festival, obviously. And you, you see it typically where there is a, a big Roman Catholic pop, uh, uh, population. And uh, what's interesting about Ash Wednesday is that it's way before anything uh, that before the church was known as Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox or uh, later on Presbyterian or Methodist or Baptist. You're talking about in the uh, even in the Apostolic Age. So why ashes? Ashes mean uh, that I'm actually very limited. And that God can take my limited self and create something wonderful. Because God's unlimited. We're limited. God's unlimited. Let's just watch this next segment of how Jesus, uh, after he's baptized, enters into a time of preparation. And, and that's exactly why. The, that's, that's how the church used this time originally, and they came back to it. it. was not just a time to remind you yourself that you're sinful, but actually a time of preparation for baptism, for Easter. They would baptize people on, on the uh, Saturday Eve, right before Easter, or on Easter. And they would prepare people to receive a Christ, uh, and they would be taught, and then they would be baptized. And a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of the times the church thought that if Jesus was to come on a certain night, because they, they, they thought Paul gave us a clue, that he's going to come like a thief in the night. So most likely Jesus is going to come at the night. That's what they thought. That's not what, what Paul meant in there. But if he's going to come at a certain night, he's probably going to come the night before Easter. So that's, it became a special day. But let's look at this next segment of how Jesus is after baptism, goes into the wilderness led by the Spirit into a place that I think a lot of us have been and, and don't want to be. Let's check it out.
wilderness. Jesus is led into the wilderness uh, to be tempted. Uh, the Spirit leads him into the wilderness. The Father's plan was for Jesus to be in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Uh, something is somewhat awkward with that statement. The word there, then, is very telling in that the Spirit leads Jesus to be baptized. The Spirit descends on Jesus in baptism. He hears these words, you are my son. I am well pleased with you. This is my son. I'm well pleased with you. I think that's what a lot of people need to hear, especially young men. (laughs) You are my son. And I'm well pleased with you. That's the greatest gift. Isn't that what we're always looking for? Our, someone's approval, especially our parents, and we do everything we can. That's another sermon. He's led into the wilderness to be tempted. The word there can be used tested or tempted because God tempts no one. God does not want you to sin, so therefore God does not tempt you. But God does allow you to be tested. So God does test us. It is the devil, it is the accuser, it is the, it is the tempter who obviously tempts us because even the word uh, in, in Spanish, I like the word uh, uh, diablo, okay, that just sounds bad, right? Diablo, it's better than devil for me. That word means split, to split off. The whole purpose of temptation is to split you off from God's plan, to split you off from your identity from where you receive comfort and strength it's to split you up it's to make you doubt that so he is baptized but then the spirit leads him to another place the wilderness and let's look at this this uh first few verses and jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now let's just stay there for a second. I'm impressed by Jesus. He gets hungry after 40 days. I get hungry after four minutes. Forty days. Why why abstain from food? Why why not eat? Why not take a huge picnic basket with you? Or pick the berries off the bushes that you can eat from? Why not eat? Jesus understands that this is preparation. This is testing. This is a time where Actually, he needs to receive the strength that he'll need throughout his whole ministry, especially at the end. You see, the beginning is always tied to the end. How we begin things is really important. I truly believe that these temptations never left Jesus. The devil left him, but the temptations to take shortcuts or to do this or to do that, we're always there, even on the cross, even standing before Pilate. I, if, 
I, I, I think I would have done things a lot differently. Would you have done things differently? I, I think I would have been like Peter a lot in the, in the Bible, but I mean, here is Jesus. He's standing at the end. He's about ready to be executed. And Pilate says, don't you understand that I have this power? Your life's in my, in my hand. And right there and then, if I was Jesus, I would have just zapped him. Zap. You know, like Darth Vader. Hush. I got to do this. No. Jesus does not do that. And I think, I think at the end is, is happened like that because he began well. Jesus begins well and ends well. In baptism, he identifies with us. He identifies with you and with me. He stood in line like everyone else to be baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. He, he didn't have a VIP pass. He stood in line. John sees him from way off and is like, wow. He, he, his feet are in the muddy uh, basin of that river. It gets all muddied up. It gets completely baptized. Same river. He doesn't say, you know what, I need a better one. No. He identifies with us. He receives that affirmation. You are my son. I am so well pleased with you. And now... The devil is tempting him to doubt that. And not just doubt that. I think it's a little bit, the way I've always grown up reading this, if you look at it, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God. Now, we think, well, maybe that the devil is saying, hey, you're probably not, but I think if you look at, uh, the actual language, it can be easily translated since. Since you're the man, why don't you do this? You're hungry? You see, this is, this is connected with Moses. You may have seen that on the, on, the, uh, on the movie where Jesus every time quotes from Deuteronomy. So Moses fasts 40 days, 40 nights before he receives the law. Jesus fasts 40 days, 40 nights in order to receive the words of God. That is, the comfort and strength, the sustenance from the Father. So, we have a new Moses here. And he says, if you are the Son of God, since you're the, since you're the man, tell these stones to become bread. This is, this is kind of trick. This is, a, this is a nice trick here. Look, Moses, when the people were hungry, God sent down Manna from heaven. Surely you, being in the unique place with the unique relationship with the Father, deserve the same. You can just zap those stones, make them into bread. Make this desert into one of the best bakeries ever. And you know what? What's interesting is that he is actually tempted by this. In his humanity, being fully human and fully God, being a fully, having fully human nature, he really was hungry and he really thought about it. You're right. But the fact that he quotes from Deuteronomy, to me, shows me that he made the connection, but he quotes 
He quotes this. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Literally there, every word that's pouring out from the mouth of God. That word there is, is, is really something special. Comes doesn't do it justice. It's, it's pouring out. It's a, continually, it's a continual process, like a stream that does not stop. God is constantly speaking. If people would just stop and listen, Jesus says, you can't just live on bread alone, quoting Deuteronomy, but on every word that is continually coming from God, the mouth of God. Let's say Jesus would have succumbed to this temptation. What would that have proved? I think the reason why he's tempted in this way is this, in that if you, you know what, you know what, that baptism thing the other day, that was nice, but let's really, really prove that you are the unique God. Show, show me that you are the real deal. Show me with a spectacular move that you can do this and fulfill your hunger. But let's say if he would have done that, if, if Jesus would have actually done that, he would have been hungry again. See, Jesus refuses to do that for two reasons. Number one, he refuses to do that because he understands that he has a greater hunger. The hunger for the word from the Father. There's nothing wrong with being hungry. That's a, it, it is a very human thing. We need that. You don't tell yourself to be hungry. You ever notice that? I think it's time to be hungry now. Actually, uh, we coerce ourselves to get hungry, maybe. Or just the smell makes you hungry. You're not really hungry, but you smell something. Someone's going to get hungry right now, thinking about, this is supposed to be a fast day, right? You know what's interesting? That's why the church actually uh, fasted, is because Jesus fasts on these 40 days. And uh, I never understood why, why a lot of Christians would abstain from meat on Fridays, what that, what's that all about? Uh, it was Tom, Thomas Aquinas, um, in the, he lived in the 1200s, who said, look, if it's hard for you to fast for 40 days, then if you're going to fast, at least fast on Fridays. And if, if it's tough for you to fast from, from all foods, and if you absolutely need protein, then eat fish, which is less desirable. Eat salty fish. Now remember, no refrigeration and, you, and you're looking around for some protein because how many of you protein eaters? You just need meat at every meal. I remember when my wife and I, we, we were first married, she, she brought me, she spent all this time making this salad. And she put, she put it before me. And uh, this was way early on in our marriage. Since then, I've been much, I've been much more uh, mature. I've become much more mature uh, in my faith and wiser uh, so then she brought me this salad, and I said, that looks great. You know, I'm eating it, and I said, okay, what's next? She says, what do you mean, what's next? That was it. I said, where's the meat? She said, no meat. I said, that's not a meal. It doesn't have meat. Um, Thomas Aquinas says, if you're going to eat fish, if you're going to eat protein, eat fish, not desirable. It was really the, only the rich who could afford the meat. You know the reason why there was even a fillet of fish? is because of Lent. Did you know that? 
1962, an owner in Cincinnati, he, he was dumbfounded because he, everyone around him was predominantly, lived, uh, they lived in a, a predominantly Roman Catholic neighborhood, and he had nothing for them. So he called headquarters and said, I have an idea for a fish sandwich. And Ray Kroc got a hold of him back, who was, you know, the, the, the one who really just helped explode McDonald's everywhere. Ray Kroc says, now I have my own non-hamburger hamburger. I have a hula burger. It's a grilled pineapple on a bun. He's, and he says, I'll challenge you. Whoever sells the most will get put on the menu. Well, we know who won. Who in the world wants a grilled pineapple just with some bread? What in the world is that? I, call, I called my local McDonald's. I called the national uh, 800 number. I said, is there a special on filet of fish anytime soon? He says, I don't know. I said, well, it, it just depends on your local area. I said, well, uh, well, how much would it be if they have a print house? I don't know that either. I said, you're a lot of help. I hung up. I called my local McDonald's and said, are you going to have a, a promotion on uh, filet of fish soon? She says, oh, yes. I said, when does it start? She says, Friday. I said, how interesting. How much is it? She says, $1.29. I said, what happened to 99 cents? <laughs> now, that's, that's the whole reason, you know, because fasting's hard. It was St. Augustine who says, you, you want your prayers to fly, give them two wings. Fasting and almsgiving. You want your prayer to, to really just soar, give them two wings. Fasting and a giving heart. I think that's what Lent's all about. And I'll get back to the text. But I think that's what Lent's about. It's, even as we sang this song earlier, um, God, you give and take away. Now, for Job, who said that, blessed be your name, I've had a lot of things and I lost it all, but I still bless your name. Now, that phrase, give and take away, Job said, that's a incredible statement incredible statement of faith but i like to think of it not only that god can take away the good things that are in our lives that we thought we could never do without but also the bad things see lent is putting uh, asking god to take something out maybe something out of me something out of our my relationship with so and so or my family or just really maybe as more personal is the best but Take something out of me, and you know what that something is. That greatest anxiety that you have in your life, or that, that habit that does not go away. Lord, take that away. Show me. Help me to open up my life to you by, by being able to trust somebody and sharing my life, to be honest, to be humble. But I, I, I think Lent's also a time where we can put something in Try something new. So during these 40 days, you know, you might say, I'm not going to fast for 40 days from food. That's really, you know, that's not my level right now. You don't have to unless you want to. Just consult your doctor. (laughs) Okay, I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, But you know what? The the Muslims, when they fast, they fast during Ramadan uh, from sunup to sundown. That That was a Christian thing. That was a Christian way of fasting. So you can do that from sunup to sundown. I know of a monastery uh, uh, that actually 
They fast from bread during all of Lent because they make their own bread. They make everything. And they won't eat bread. And you know it's Easter when you smell that sweet bread. That's really cool. Uh, my, my, one of my daughters, I'm not going to say who, uh, fast from gum. And she's like... <laughs> and she, all on her own, she goes, Daddy, I don't know what I'd do without, without gum. I just, I just need gum. You know, I said, okay. She says, but I'm going to give it up. It's going to be real hard, Daddy. Pray for me. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm thinking, it's like, gum? Kidding me? But for her, that was huge. So you might be fasting from something different than, that, than someone else. That's okay. The reason for fasting, I think, is twofold. To be thankful for food. So that when you do eat again, you really, it's just an, a wonderful experience. In fact, Ecclesiastes says that's the way you really enjoy your life is a meal at a time. And people that don't take those opportunities at meal times to be grateful, they're missing a lot of joy in their life. And the other reason is to consider how we can feed hungry people. Come on, we're blessed. Check that out. Whenever I want, I can drive and get one of those. I want to get one right now, actually. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the, the term halt? It's used in AA or d- different uh, meetings like that. The devil tempts Jesus at his weak point. Isn't it interesting? Uh, when I'm using Matthew's order, I think Luke has a different order as far as the temptation, but Matthew says that the first temptation was Jesus' weak point. And that's usually where the devil tempts us first, is our weakest spot. Jesus is hungry. Jesus wants to eat. You see, nothing wrong with hunger, but why don't you just prove to yourself, do something spectacular that will prove to you that you are who you say you are. Turn these stones into bread. Turn these stones into bread. Turn something that is not meant to fulfill you and try to get fulfillment out of something that was not meant to fulfill you. I think that's the human predicament. You see, Jesus identifies with us in baptism. He also identifies with us in the temptation. And I think Jesus leads the way for us He's saying, you know what, uh, when you follow me, you're going to be tempted, you're going to be tested, but I'm the leader. You follow my lead. I'm doing this on your behalf. I think Jesus represented us in these temptations as the second Adam, as the second Moses. Only the first Adam failed the test, but the second Adam, he wins. I've heard that term halt, hungry, angry, Lonely, tired. They say, be careful when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired because you might slip up. You might slip up into an old way. And I think that's, that's important for all of us to remember. It's really, isn't that really 
Interesting. And if you're in a combination of them, I've been all, I've been all four. It's like, halt. I am halt. You know, I'm walking around halt. Like, I mean, <laughs> hello. What do you do when you're halt? <laughs> what do you do when you're hungry? How do you fulfill your needs? You know what we usually do? That's why it's so tempting. Try to get fulfillment in the wrong place. That's what we do. See, uh, Jesus refused to be super carnal, to use his miraculous power in order to prove a point. He refused to use the, the miraculous power that he had available in order just to fulfill his basic needs. You see Jesus other times later multiplying bread for others, but not for himself here. Jesus says, I don't need to do the spectacular in order to prove to you or to myself or to anyone that I am who I am. And the second thing is this. Let's take a look. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If or since you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now this is amazing because the devil now tempts Jesus using scripture. And what's even more amazing about that, he takes him to the holy city, to the holy temple, and he quotes from the Holy Bible. Holy, holy, holy. To the high point. Now some people think that this was intended so that people could understand, you know, if Jesus were to jump from that high place and then be caught that would prove to everybody around there worshiping, whoa, you're different. We need to follow you. Jesus does not do that. What's interesting also is that the text before, when Jesus quotes the scripture and says, man shall not live, people cannot live by bread alone. It's something you need. You have to eat, but just because you eat, you will become hungry again. But actually, what you truly, truly need and what you are already hungry for and what there's already a supply is God's word. God is speaking continually. And it's like the devil says, oh, you want to quote scripture? I can quote scripture. Psalm 91 and Jesus says, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus uses scripture to correct a misuse of scripture. You see, if someone is using one scripture in order to try to prove a point or make you do something spectacular or sensational, and most of the scriptures say the contrary, that is a misuse of scripture. Jesus answered him, it's also written. 
Don't put the Lord your God to the test. Don't manipulate God. Don't do that. The first thing that the devil did was to say, I'm going to attack him at his weak spot. But then he attacks him at his strong spot. Scripture. See, the first, the devil tries to make him super carnal. Then he tries to tempt him by being super spiritual. Oh, do this spectacular thing, and God will save you. Father will save you. He says, I'm not putting, the, I'm not putting my father to the test. Let's look at the next one. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. First, the devil tries to split him off from the Father, trying to make him doubt what he had just heard at baptism. And I, my friends, the devil has the same strategy with us. He wants you to doubt your baptism. You're baptized. It is the wonderful sign, along with communion, that says you belong to God. He wanted to attack him at the weak spot. Weak point, he wanted to attack him at the strong point. Now he attacks him at the very center of who he is, at his identity. He attacks him by saying, look, take a shortcut. You're the Messiah. You are to lead the people. I will give you a shortcut. Now, interesting here, the devil doesn't say, if you continually bow down to me. He's just saying, no one's looking. We're in the middle of nowhere. All you have to do is bow down momentarily. And I'll give you power. You know what? If, we, if you'll do anything for success, and you think no one's looking, we have just made our work, or whatever that venture is, God. As soon as we start compromising and say, it doesn't matter how I make a dollar, it doesn't matter how, how I, whatever I need to do to be successful or famous or fill in the blank, I'm going to do it. We've just sold out. Jesus says, I'm not going to sell out like that. Scripture says, again quoting from Deuteronomy, you worship the Lord your God only. Then the devil left him. I don't think these temptations ever left Jesus, especially in his suffering and at the cross. Father, not my will. My will would probably be to, be, to go a different route, but it's not my will. It's your will. What, what, what good is it, Jesus says, to gain the whole world, lose your soul? That, that, that's what this is. So I've talked way too long. But it's important for us to realize that Jesus is our priest, our high priest. He represents us. He identifies with us in his baptism. He's, he's tempted in order to actually prove in a spectacular, sensational way or to take a shortcut for success. Jesus refuses that. 
He refuses shortcuts. He refuses to meet his needs by miraculous way or demanding something out of stones. Not, stones aren't meant to feed you. Bread's meant to feed you. But even bread itself cannot keep you fed. So how do you meet your needs? How do you meet your needs? Are you a walking halt? <laughs> how, how do you worship God? Do, do you always need a sign from God in order to remind you that you're his child? Show me a sign, Lord. You know, Jesus got impatient with people like that. You always need a sign? Just trust me. You don't need to step out in front of a bus and see if the bus stops if to see if you have faith or if God's going to rescue you. Don't do that. And don't make work God. Don't take shortcuts. I'm going to invite Dan, uh, who's going to pray. And this, this night as we, as we prepare to leave, we're going to invite you to come forward down the center to receive the imposition, the cross form on, on your forehead of the, uh, with ashes of the cross. And we're going to say something like this to you. We're going to say, remember that you are dust or you, that you are ashes. And to dust or to ashes you will return. Or we may say this, consider that you are dead to sin and that you're alive in Christ. In these next 40 days, I want you to really think about a significant sacrifice. We're partnering with Life Water, and, and there's a devotional that you can uh, get a hold of, and you can, you can put at least one wing on your prayer with a significant uh, giving towards that or anywhere else. But uh, also consider fasting something. Say, Lord, take something out, and Lord, help me to build something into my life, not just for 40 days, but for beyond that. I want to live in Easter power continually. Amen? Amen. Amen.